0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Tim Sissler here, Arthur Solomon, and we got a full-time Kingdom worker, part-time business manager or business owner, Rudy Muschetti here, guys. He's run uh, Rudy's Smokehouse for how long? Uh,
1: since 2005, so yeah. 15 years. Yeah. So, and he's got a great story, guys. He's going to share a lot with us today. So, let's get it going. Forty years in the restaurant business, not fifteen. Right, right. Uh, well, because you haven't just done yeah, thirty. Right. Have... Yeah, forty years. Forty-three years actually. You're a
0: franchise owner at Perkins.
1: Perkins Family Restaurants. First job, first uh, experience in the food industry, and uh, within two years of that uh, that job, I I had an opportunity in Springfield. It just opened up a failed Perkins Family Restaurant uh, chain, and. Um, uh, three other gentlemen and I got involved and basically came down with beer money. And uh, you know, we—I remember in the negotiations at one point in time, that—that uh, that was the word that was used. The—the uh, uh, the seller said to me, said, "You know, it's interesting. You're trying to strike a further deal with beer money." And I think it was a hard reality to me is that we were here pressuring into the seller. So it was going to be an owner finance deal. That's the only way we were going to buy it. Uh, so that's how the opportunity uh, arose to get involved in the restaurant business. Uh, it was a goal of mine uh, from the start. I had written that down in 1976, uh, just the year after I married Diane, my partner in life. Uh, and uh, you know, we uh, we began the journey of writing down goals and objectives as a as a focus for what we do and uh, one of those goals was to be in business uh, within two years of me taking the job uh, with Perkins and uh, as God would have it, uh, in his blessings, uh, January 1978, we're looking at these stores in Springfield, Ohio that were failing. My partners and I got involved in it, we came down with beer money and leveraged into the sellers. Uh, financing, and uh, within you know, relatively two years, we had the storerooms organized. <laughs> That's what we were good at. That's awesome, yeah, yeah we, we we literally came in and began to uh, put the recipe for hard work into that organization, and and it it showed. Uh, the employees recognized that uh, you know they had new owners, and uh, you know I remember very specifically one of our meetings. Uh, the three partners wanted to introduce ourselves as supervisors. And that was a day of uh, a day of um, uh, exposure for me as to where my partners were. Because I couldn't understand why, you know, if it's our desire to have them turn left when they're moving right, why they'd want to introduce a a third party, you know? Someone else is telling you to turn left. so very quickly uh, uh, I recognized that I was probably the only one that had a desire to be in business. Yeah. That was a trigger for me to grow uh, my business skills. So you know as you go down that list of laundry, a list of things that you need to, 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 to have the skill sets in business, that, that's where I began my journey. Would you say, just curious, yes. that you were a born entrepreneur, or was that developed over the years with hard work and dedication and having a plan? Well, I, I think hard work and dedication is is essential uh, in any endeavor that has a worthiness to it. To be a good Christian uh, is not just claiming you're a good Christian; it's it's reading the Bible. And you know, I have a great story there how I began my Christian life, uh, and to the extent that. That Bible was on the uh, bedroom uh, cabinet uh, where I sleep, and never was open. But you go into, you know, my library, wherever that was, where the books were, and you found better, 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 better man, better businessman, better everything, uh, except better Christian. So it wasn't until someone challenged me to open up the Bible, the only book in life that has any significance to the living part of life. Uh, I was not a Christian. I was just a, sure. I knew God, but so was the devil. You know, he knows Jesus as well. So anyway, where were we as far as the business? I ended up. Uh, what was the question? Bo- were you born an entrepreneur? Well, I, you- I was not born. I was born with a high skill set of athletic abilities, and uh, I had a desire to be a professional uh, baseball player, and that journey was was uh, was was ingrained and. So there I was, you know, very much there. Then one day, uh, I wasn't. And uh, after uh, serving time in Vietnam, I got stationed in Hawaii, and I remember being on a beach all by myself. And uh, it, was, um, it was an enlightening moment for me to know and feel Christ. Because I was basically in tears, uh, because I didn't know what I was gonna do. I was 24 years old, uh, all the people that I grew up in school with, those peers, were graduating from college and there I was, still in the service. And uh, I cried out to God and I said, God, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, a revelation, the words shifted in the sentence and it, the question became, who are you? And, uh, you know, I went down the list my hair was receding, I went down the list of who I was. And when I came out of that experience, I no longer sought that desire to determine who I was going to be. I became more comfortable with who I was. And that was my first step towards what next. To answer your question, I think it was more then. Because I could not see myself uh, following uh, leadership without having an opportunity to direct sure. that leadership uh, and so consequently the seeds of entrepreneurship started then and uh, I, I lived it I never held a job although I always worked for longer than eight months and it kind of disturbed my father because his generation had the specific goal of get a job, stay there for 40 years, retire out of it and it scared him that his son uh, was not holding a job for very long and that's how I basically uh, got to the point where I need to be, I need to have the autonomy to make my own decisions and little do I know that (laughs) <laughs> when you're an entrepreneur, you still have bosses. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> A lot yeah. more of them, actually. Yeah,
0: exactly. Now <laughs> the like customer's the boss. Yeah, customer right. they
1: all the government, yeah, and, and the more you develop, the more you grow the more you experience uh, authority and in your direction. It doesn't mean it stops you. Sure. It just means that you have to slow down, understand what it is that obstacle is and then apply your business. Uh, desires through it, you know, no, no obstacle is there for very long uh, under entrepreneurship. It's just, it's just identifying the problem and sure. then finding the solution. Well, and then you also, before the restaurant business, or was it during the restaurant business, you started uh, that you did all your work with Winnie Knoll? Well, uh, actually, uh, no. I, I, Winnie Knoll was uh, Winnie Knoll was a purchase for. My one of my dreams, okay. and, that, and that was to have a home, uh, where as I could re, <laughs> I could re, uh, restore, and renew myself. Because you know, the entrepreneurship is not a hourly job. Uh, entrepreneur means you are open to receive sure. and to be challenged seven days a week. And uh, being in the restaurant business is a perfect example. Of what I'm describing, because what you're just doing right now—you're eating food—is the most intimate thing that that you can be involved in in a career path. Feeding someone else. How many jobs have that from beginning to end? You know, you you make it, you have it produced, and then you serve it, and then you get a result. Very few businesses have that opportunity. They make it, they don't see the result. So we we were very challenged. So I always had a dream. Uh, I had a home in North Northridge for 20 years, and uh, I had a dream of having a backyard where there'd be no one there but me and God. And Winnie the Old Farm, interesting enough, was in uh, was in trouble because the second generation was left with a problem. Gotcha. And uh, Peter Noonan, I didn't know him well, but uh, Peter Noonan, uh, very quickly we got to become we, we were comfortable with each other very quickly right put it that way okay. and uh, he was able to accept uh, an offer uh, on how I could help solve some of his tax problems and over time I ended up buying like uh, 175 acres uh, over three or four years and my goal was real simple one I like simplicity guys I like it I like it uh, and you know when it's not simple, that that's the first challenge I have. I have to figure out how we reduce the, the complication. Um, you know, I think I'm going to introduce this. If if you don't have a spirit of positiveness in your life, do not venture into the world of entrepreneurship. It's, it's a yeah, it's a very lost place. But anyway, uh, we uh, we bought the property and. Uh, you, you, you talked about when you know golf course or when you know farm so They're two different animals
0: oh well tell me about both i guess well
1: the, the, the home ended up being absolutely what we dreamed about okay you know it was it was refreshing uh, no matter how long the day was it was just wonderful to come and be a park even though it was in springville you know you come up our house right now and i can you you understand exactly what i'm referring to you'll be coming off a street Called Brayton Burn or Kilkenny, then all of a sudden you're there. It's like anybody who's been on the property has, has made a, con, a consistent comment. It's like I didn't know this was here, and that's that's the feeling you get. You can't believe it's there. Maybe not,
0: we'll not created. I huh? Maybe we'll record our next podcast there. Absolutely, you're welcome <laughs> to it.
1: But uh, to the point, uh, uh, Windy No Golf Course. that's, Aspect of what property I bought was not the original goal. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was not. I, um, you know, I think it's one of the sad commentators of uh, what happens to someone that reaches a level of success and, and maybe is intoxicated with it. And I call it you're drunk. You're drunk uh, with um, with the fundamentals that have to always be present in every decision you make. You know, entrepreneurship is, is accepting risk, but not risk without calculation. Right. And, and the lower that calculation of risk, the better the decision it is to go forward. The golf course was not very good in that calculation. A, uh, we were talking about building a golf course that would require a high golf fee. What? a high golf fee in Springfield, Ohio. Secondly, it had uh, its support to build the golf course was residential development. Homes that were going to be sold for what? Four and five and six hundred thousand a price. Right. Wait a minute, how many homes sold uh, for five hundred thousand last year in Springfield? At that time, two or three. And we're building how many? So it, it really, did not have uh, good fundamentals in place. But uh, I engaged myself uh, with a partner that was an idea man and and did not have the operational sensitivity to figure out that this was not a good deal. Now, understand this, there was no gun in my head. That's why I said I was drunk. I was illusionary. Uh, I was power influenced, Um, period. So this entrepreneurship changed to one of recklessness when I did it. And you know, it stands today. When you know golf course stands today, I think as a true if it continues to last, a, 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 a true asset of Springfield. You know, it, it it is a good golf course, public golf course. And oh, it's the, one of my favorites. To that end, Amen. You know, amen. Because again, When you know farm, that well that idea was founded by uh, you know, another gentleman, uh, 350 acres of thoroughbred uh, horses, you know, that was a different time as well. That was the true idea for that plan. Thoroughbred Racing, uh, Kentucky bred. And uh, you know, those, those names I don't know, but there were three or four winners of the Kentucky, Day, Kentucky Derby that were bred on the Winino farm. Incredible. Really? Yeah.
0: Incredible. yeah. Incredible. yeah. And, you, and you built your house there on the old farm, right? Yes, I did.
1: You know, one other interesting thing about uh, uh, the thoroughbred racing farm. When Queen Elizabeth came over here, she uh, had to, she wanted to bring her horses. She was in New York Parade. And she wanted to bring her 20 horses over here, and one of the, the uh, criteria was uh, you had three months or whatever that day was, you had to put the horses in. Uh, quarantine, because okay. they weren't going to let horses from out of the country bring any diseases in. Right. You know I mean? So uh, Howard Noonan built a barn on the south end of the property specifically for Queen Elizabeth's horses. The Queen's Really? And and to that end, wow. you know, you talk about historically things that are significant for a community yeah. to boast about. I think that truly is. I and think that's
0: very interesting. I'm
1: going to stay there just for a second. When the golf course failed under my authority, I think one of the things that surfaced it was absolutely unreasonable, and it was through the Turner Foundation, who thank goodness that you know they're involved in Springfield because they're making the community better. But to the point, when they took over the property and bought the residential, they took down all the names we had, the, the horse names for the streets and they put normal street names. Yeah. What? Why would you do that? That's like taking an eraser after you wrote down the first sentence of the Declaration of Independence and erasing it. Right. You know, th- that's part of the history. Why would you do that? So they, they got they got a call from me and, you know, they, uh, whoever was making that decision realized, oops, that's a mistake. Yeah. And uh, so they came back and they named the streets after those famous horses. So Kilkenny... Brightburn, I mean. Kilkenny was there. Kilkenny was there. But all the other street names, Burn, that's all horse names. Really? Yeah, okay. all horse names. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, I didn't that. know that. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> to, to that history, I mean, yeah. there should be a plaque or something that continues oh, to reverberate so that Springfield yeah. is known for. No one else is known for that. Right. You know, that's kind of the history that I bought into. We quarantined the Queen's Horses, that's That's awesome. right. <laughs> yeah. Put those babies away.
0: Yeah. If we could maybe start to wrap up, you as being a very successful entrepreneur and being in all these businesses, what do you think if someone's just starting out, just trying to get on the path, maybe they're sick and tired of doing the job and working for, for a boss, and maybe now they want to take a, a journey and start to be an entrepreneur. What are the first steps? But don't do it. <laughs> no, I mean
1: seriously. You, you, that's a heck of a way to start a journey when you're asking someone to give you the motivation to do so. Okay, you have to be motivated, period. Because uh, well, you know, how do you stay
0: motivated? What, what what kind of activities do you think it's about developing habits?
1: Well, I think it's uh, it, it ties into uh, you know the plumber, the electrician, the best of those. People are the ones that study and work to be the best. You know, someone says, Was he born with the ability to hit the ball that well, or did he learn how to hit it that well? You know, I can tell you that most of the time, it's, it's a studious effort. It is a specific energy that is directed to coming from the individual, but directed to the specific, specific what's the word? Faceti. Specificity. Tell me about specificity. Specificity. You got that word. Very specific to to that uh, to that endeavor, you know, to that subject. And uh, I think that motivation, though, is all by itself. It, it's not it's not anchored into any particular trade or anything. It's just it just you have this strong desire to be the best at it, and then you start working along that journey to discover what it takes to be the best. So you your question, I'll go a little further. The motivation is there. How do you stay motivated? Well, you have to feed yourself. If you're hungry, you eat. <laughs> if you want to stay motivated, you have to surround yourself with thoughts that are motivating. motivating. And uh, you know, I personally found uh, resources in books uh, from uh, other people that were successful and you know, I'm gonna tell you a cute story, it's worth telling. Uh, I remember when I had reached a point in the restaurant business when I was very successful at it, very successful, and uh, I used to tell the story in my presentations with the managers. I said, I'm gonna just give you a little story of the outside world. Someone is interested in your success, they're interested in our success, and they wanna sit down and talk to me. Here's how this conversation would go. I'd sit down with them and they'd ask me the question like you just asked me, how do you become a successful restaurateur? Well, you get up every morning, first thing you do is be highly motivated, Uh, you have a positive attitude about the day, you have a positive attitude about your life, and then you go out and you interact with the people that are following you. And what do you do with them? Very same thing. Say good morning to them. Sure. You're instilling positive. You're uh, correcting, positively directing them along the lines that you have drawn in your map to success. About that time, the person that's listening to the story would say, I, I heard that. I-, I-, I know that. I know that. And then, okay, well, let me go further. Yeah, yeah, I know. Further. Right? Say one more. Oh, I know that. And I'd be probably halfway in the story and I'd be convinced they knew it. And at that point I'd stop and I'd say, Why are you asking me that question? I don't understand. I want to know how you're successful. I'm telling you. Right. And if you're doing that, there's absolutely no reason why you're not successful if you follow that recipe. How does Rudy Smok make a brisket, cook it for 14 hours, a brisket, Times thousands and be successful. You follow the recipe. You don't get caught up in uh, the distraction. You don't get caught up in, in something else. You follow that recipe. It's A, B, C. When you find a default, you find someone skip B. and want to C. That's, that's the secret. And to the point, how do you stay motivated? Realizing that, you know, every morning, not some, every morning. Get up, right attitude, positive reinforcement, post it on the mirror. That's the thing that separates you. What I'm just describing, it separates you from all the rest. Because you become uniquely different than the rest. And what you're putting your effort into is something very positive and very healthy. And that's what the Lord wants us to do in growing his kingdom. You know, you asked me the question uh, a little earlier, right? is how did I become a kingdom worker? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm no longer a full-time businessman, I'm a part-time businessman. And uh, I, I, sure, I share that with him because it, it really was an interesting story. Uh, I went to the Philippines as as the business counterpart to their goals and objectives. And uh, I'll make this story as short as I can, because uh, I know you guys are getting nervous and clock's ticking, but uh, to the point, uh, in the work that I was doing as the businessman, there was a woman there that was a minister. Minis- we call it ministry, minister. It was in ministry. And uh, she said to me, she said, Really, she says, you know, I, I really, really, uh, I'm interested in, in, how you're speaking, how you're teaching, but, but you know, something I got to tell you this. She says, you are a kingdom worker. And I says, a what? A kingdom worker. Kings. This, I don't understand what that means. What's that mean? She says, you're growing God's kingdom. That's, the way you influence other people. Period. She says, okay. we back. But the Bible understood what she was trying to say. From that point, I came back to my organization, God manages me, and I said, you'll be the first to, it, that I'm going to introduce this subject to. I'm a full-time kingdom worker and a part-time businessman. And that's the way that was introduced. Yeah, you said it, yeah, what it means to be a kingdom worker yeah. is
0: that when you leave, the kingdom's going to be bigger than it was That's when you got here.
1: Okay. Yeah, one person? Yeah. Or one idea yeah. you know, that grows someone closer to God, sure or introduces you know, Jesus Christ into their life. Sure. We don't have to be at the end of the story. We right can be at the beginning. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, I know you wanted to take a second to talk about the pregnancy resource. So we got about maybe a minute and a half. Well, you know, pre- pregnancy resources is uh, very special. They're they're uh, one of the yeah. sponsoring charities in Springfield, Ohio, and uh, they've got today, every Tuesday, there is an open invitation to what grows the charity in Springfield, and, and they're it today. Well, I, I uh, don't know uh, that they're any different than any other charity organization other than they follow the recipe too. Okay. They work hard, they, they get up in the morning, and they have that spirit that God gives all of us, the Holy Spirit, and they're driven to do well in the community. So, to that end, I want to just open up and maybe close this way. You know, in everything that I've ever achieved in in, uh, this journey, uh, and and it's still going on. uh, I'm a young man with lots of opportunities ahead. I look to grow the kingdom, and I'm not sure that You know the end has a specific game that the kingdom grows as a result of it but i do know that pregnancy resources and those like them in springfield need help they don't get up in the morning and have it resolved they get up in the morning and say we need and to that end i would invite anyone that has the opportunity to see this podcast to press into a Nehemiah foundation and see what they've got growing in their uh, charitable work and look into pregnant resources and see what they need and just maybe the kingdom does grow as a result of your motivation to grow the kingdom.
0: That's incredible. And you can do it. So stop by uh, Rudy's on Tuesday and a portion of the sale goes to help that ministry, right?
1: 50%. Fifty percent. Fifty percent of the sales wow. that they generate specifically goes to their charitable event.
0: We'll be here All right,
1: Yeah.
0: Mr. Moschetti, thank you so much. I'm really I'm inspired to go. I'm ready Absolutely. to go. That message right there resonated with me. Man. Well I'm
1: glad I met you guys. You guys are successful entrepreneurs as well. Aren't you?
0: Well we're we're on our way. We're just trying to stay motivated and maybe inspire
1: others and share Spread that positivity, Well, yeah, like you were talking about. Well, I think you both have it. I'm not sure about you. You got it? <laughs> I'm not sure about you. You got it? There's I no have, one can I give it line. to you. Yeah. No <laughs> one can <laughs> give it to you. yeah. That's got to be uh that's got to be yours. It's, it's yours. You own it and you commit to it and you grow. Yeah. You, you never let, let anybody talk you out of it. No way. That's
0: right. That's right. <laughs> no naysayers. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to uh, our episode here with uh, Rudy Moschetti. If you have any questions,
1: just drop them below. If they, wanted to, if they have questions for you, how can they get a hold of you? Well, uh, uh, do I phone number? 937-206-8188. If I can help you grow the kingdom, call me.
0: Incredible. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys. You guys have a great day. We'll see you on the next episode. See you later.